Turn in your Bible to John chapter 5, beginning in verse 2 through verse 9. Brother Eric read this to us a little while ago. And the, object, the, the, the subject of the message today, uh, the title, Operation Rescue. Operation Rescue. A while ago we sang, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, Reach Them Before It's Too Late. This past week, Professor Chris Groves and some of his people were exploring the uh, Sides Cave over at Mammoth Cave. And as they went 1,450 feet deep into that unexplored cave, the professor was walking on a ledge and it suddenly fell. I would assume nobody has ever walked on that ledge before. It was an unexplored section of the cave. And he dropped 30 feet into a pit with two and a half feet of water. He crushed several of his ribs, messed his shoulder up, broke his collarbone. He was helpless to get out. Two of the guys that were with him carefully went down through that cave and through the crespus and helped him to a little bit ledge, a little bit higher, and then one left and went for help. In a little while, 70 people came into that cave and rescued the professor. Operation Rescue. We're glad that 70 people went. If the two that were there by themselves with the professor had had to do it all, the man would have died. But they joined hands, 70 of them, and went in and got that Western professor out of that terrible pit. Years ago, there was born in Northfield, Massachusetts, a young boy named Dwight. His father died when he was young. He had to do hard farm work to help his mother and the other children stay alive. When he was about 16 or 17, he decided to leave home and go to work in Boston. His mother allowed him to do that if he promised to stay with his uncle. His uncle said, you can stay with me if you'll go to church with me. Well, Dwight had not been going, used to going to church. He went to church with his uncle and they made fun of him. The Sunday school teacher would say, well, turn to Genesis. And he'd look through the Bible, through Psalms and Proverbs, and he didn't know where to look. They laughed at him. Another day they'd say, turn to Revelation. He'd look all through the New Testament, the Old Testament. He didn't know where to look. Finally he said, I'm not going back. They make fun of me. He missed. His Sunday school teacher was Mr. Ed Kimball. He didn't wait till Dwight had missed three or four or five Sundays and said, oh, I guess I better try to see this guy. The very next Monday, he went down to the shoe store where Dwight was working and he started to go in and the devil said, don't go in, you'll just embarrass him. And he walked on down the street. The Lord said, you better go back and talk to him. So he went back and got in front of the store and the devil again said, don't go in there, go on down the street. Well, he went back. The Lord said, you go in there now. He went in. 
and he found young Dwight in the back of the store wrapping some shoes. He put his hand on Dwight's shoulder and said, Dwight, God loves you, and so do I. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. About ten minutes, Dwight Moody gave his heart to Jesus. He was rescued from the life of a millionaire. What do you mean? He had planned, he was a good shoe salesman, he had planned to make a million dollars, but God changed his plan. Instead, he won a million people to Jesus Christ. He was rescued. A few years ago, one of our deacons invited a young man to come to church. Reluctantly, he came just because he respected his teacher. They sat right over here. I don't know whether I met him that day or not, but I found his visitor's card. The next week, I went over the corner of Sumter and Creason and knocked on the door. This young guy came to the door. He had just gotten through running. He had his running shorts on. I introduced myself, went in. In about 10 minutes, Teddy Phillips yielded his life to Jesus Christ and changed the direction of his life. Today he's in Florida with the other team members at the National Pastors Conference. His mother and daddy are here today. I'm so thankful they're here. You see, people need to be rescued, not just the down and outs that are down on Main Street or in a gutter. And we've had the experience of doing that. Years ago, we had the Crossroads Rescue Mission. Some of you may remember that. Every Friday and Saturday, our young people from college and high school would go down there and go up and down that main street talking to prostitutes and drunkards and getting down in the gutter with people who had fallen down and tell them about God's love and His care. We didn't win every one of them, but some were won. One man ran a barber shop down there and used to make fun of our kids. They'd go in the barber shop and witness to his people that were waiting to get a haircut. And they witnessed to him. And he one time said, I don't want those guys in my barber shop anymore. So I heard about it. I just went in and spoke to him a few minutes and told him what they were doing. I found out where he lived. Went to his house. In about 15 minutes, that man gave his heart to Christ came over here and was baptized, became faithful to the Lord. He's in heaven now, rescued from hell. Operation Rescue. There are folks all around us who are without Christ. They're restless. They don't know they're lost. They don't even know they need rescue. Some of them even resist being rescued. I, I think of Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. The man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves and they robbed him and left him as dead over in the rocks. I've been on that same road, it's just rocks down there. And a priest came by. He looked over and saw him and went by on the other side of the road. A Levite went by and he looked over and saw him and he said, well, I don't have time today. I'd take time to try to help him. I'm going to go on. A Samaritan 
the Samaritans and Jews hated each other. But this was called the Good Samaritan. He stopped. He went over and woke that man up. And he nursed him with, to, with his wounds. And he put him on his own beast. And took him into the town. And put him in an inn. Told the innkeeper, I'll pay everything it costs. Help this man get well. He was rescued. Now I want to tell you. There are a lot of reasons why we pass by on the other side of the road. It's cheaper. Cost that man some money to stop there and help that fellow. It's easier to just pass by. You can go on and it doesn't bother your conscience. You just soon forget about it. It's quicker. It takes time to help people. It takes time to rescue folks. I think of those 70 people that spent all afternoon and all night trying to rescue that professor from the cave. It took time out of their busy schedules. But I want to tell you, it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. The Samaritan cared. He saw him. He had compassion. He took time to go. He bound up his wounds. He put the man on his own beast, put him in an inn, and paid the bill. We don't even know the man's name. We don't know the Samaritan's name. But Jesus saw that it got recorded in the Bible to remind us to rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. In the passage that Brother Eric read to us a moment ago from John 5, the story is told of the man who was lame for 38 years, nobody had cared. Notice his condition. He was hopeless. He was helpless. The dignity of a man had all disappeared. He had just lain there like a clump, not able to get to the water. He was less than a man, some would say. I want you to notice the common legend. They said that an angel came down and troubled the water. The first person to get in that water after the troubling of the water would be healed. Now that was a legend. Jesus ignored the legend. He didn't say that's not true. He didn't say anything about it. Those who study and read between the lines know that there was not a truth to that. It was just a legend. There are some people who say, well, don't bother folks that are lost. Don't bother them. They're just content in the way they're going. You don't need to go out of your way to try to bring anybody. They know where the church is. If they want to go to church, they'll go to church. You don't have to bother them. Leave them alone. That's the prevalent philosophy today. Jesus could have said, well, that guy, maybe someday somebody will come along and throw him in the water and he'd be all right. No, Jesus looked at him. He had compassion. He said, Sir, will you be made whole? The man said, Well, Sir, I don't know who you are, but I've been here 38 years and I don't have anybody that cares enough to come and help me get in the water. When the water's troubled, I, I've never been able to get in there in time. Ignoring that legend, Jesus said to the man, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. The man looked at Jesus. He got up. 
and he was healed. He was rescued from wasted years. All around us are people that are involved in wasted years. They're going down the valley one by one with their faces toward the setting of the sun. They look on one hand and they cry out, nobody cares, nobody cares, no refuge fails me, I don't know what to do. And then somebody filled with Jesus comes along and gives them a hand and lifts them out of yesterday into a glorious tomorrow. Lloyd sang that song, I believe the Lord told him to sing it. Someday, beyond all that we know here, there's a glorious day, and those who are lost are going to miss it. They'll not be there. Heaven is a wonderful place, but it's prepared for a prepared people. And only those whose hearts have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit will be residents of that city. There are people who live near you, live next door to you, live all around. They're lost. They're on the way to an eternal hell. One day, one of our ladies years ago handed me a name of somebody who lived over on Blake Street. Said they, they need the Lord. Well, I went over there, knocked on the door and told them who I was and they slammed the door in my face. I left. But you know, God told me to go back. I went back. This time they just spoke through the door and didn't invite me in. A few weeks later I went back again. And the lady was very, if you know her, she, she's very pointed in what she says. She said, well, I see you're going to keep on bothering me. Come on in. <laughs> so I went in, sat down a few minutes and showed her from the Bible that God loved her. She said, I'm not interested. I left. But God put her on my heart and he said, the Lord said, that family needs God. Go back. I went back again and again. One day, she said, I'll try to come church Sunday if you just leave me alone. <laughs> so I left. About four weeks later, she was in church, in this church, this auditorium, sat right back in the back. She came two or three Sundays, and one Sunday I saw her walk down the aisle, give her heart to Jesus. Had the privilege of baptizing her. Now her husband was different. He was stubborn as a mule. He didn't want anything about it. I went to see him over a period of years. Took every evangelist we had to see him. And when I'd knock on the door, he said, it's you again, isn't it? <laughs> One Sunday, he came to church, sat in the very back. And in the invitation, I saw him move and I thought, well, he's gonna go out. Instead, he walked down this aisle, gave his heart to Christ. God changed him. He told me later, you rescued me. I'm glad I'm on way to heaven. He's in heaven now. I want to tell you, there are people everywhere, not just that the preacher can reach, but every one of us can reach somebody. This is a day when we need to rescue the perishing. Operation Rescue. 
Let's find somebody, somebody that you know that can be one to faith in Jesus Christ. And God will bless you as we do it. There's no end to the joy of knowing Jesus. I want you to notice the change that came in this man's life. He was helpless. He was hopeless. The dignity of man was gone from him. Jesus ignored the common legend and had compassion on the man and went to him. And the word compassion is always a word that is active, never passive. You have to do something with compassion. You can't pass by and say, well, I have compassion on you. Bye. You can't do that. When you have compassion, you go to them. Now, they may not like you. They may not know you. They may not want you. They may not even open the door. Go and leave a note. Roland Hill, the great Christian layman in London, used to go out and hand out tracts. Everywhere he went, it was like Earl Tapley. He'd hand out gospel tracts. And he came to this certain house one day and went up and knocked on the door. It was snowing, cold, bitter day. And he knocked on the door and the lady came to the door and looked out. And he tried to hand her a track and she slammed the door in his face and said, don't come back. You know what Roland Hill did? He went out on the sidewalk in front of her house and got down on his knees and prayed for that woman. And she looked out through the window, through the curtain and saw him and she said I saw him get a handkerchief and wipe some tears out of his eyes she said that moved my heart the next Sunday she went to church and when the invitation was given at the Spurgeon Tabernacle she walked down the aisle and one of the deacons that received people said to sir said to the lady what was it in the sermon that caused you to come today oh she said it wasn't a sermon she said, last week an old man came to my house, tried to give me a track and I wasn't interested. And then I saw him go out there and pray for me. She said, that moved my heart. And I came today to see what was going on and Christ came into my heart. I want to tell you, you can never know the value of a soul. You can never know what's behind that closed door. I want to dare our people to go with Christ after the lost. Go find them. They're in the restaurants. They're in the shops. They're in our schools. They're everywhere. Show them some kindness. Show them some friendship. Let them know what Jesus means to you bring them to him sowing for the master sowing seeds of kindness sowing in the morning sowing in the noonday going after the lost if you're here today and you're lost you've never been saved remember God loves you Jesus died on the cross for you he cares about you he wants you to be saved but you have to open the door. <clears throat> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you that Jesus cares. <coughs> we thank you that in the busy schedules we all have and with the many, many things that are on our hearts to do, we thank you that the Lord can break through and give us compassion. We pray today that our church will be filled with love. This will be the friendliest place in the city of Bowling Green when we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then when we go out from this place, may we go with a caring heart. Maybe not just pass by people, give them gospel tracts, tell them of Jesus, encourage them to come to him. Lord, make us winners of souls. We pray that everyone here today would resolve in his heart, I want to be a soul winner in this year 2001. And may those who are lost want Christ as their Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. <clears throat> What's the number of our song? You've heard the song number. <clears throat> For you I am praying. This is God's invitation. I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. Would you come to him today? Just like you are. Don't try to get better first. Just come. And by your coming, you're saying, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to be saved. And if you already are saved and you've trusted Christ before you came this morning, would you come forward today and let me tell the church, here's somebody that's one of us now. If your membership is in another church and God wants you here, why not come today while we pray, while we sing, will you?